It's that time of day to throw on your favorite movie or stream the best new show. And most importantly, it's time to sit back and relax with Raisin Bran After Hours, where we take a closer look at the shows and movies you may or may not know, as well as all things creative. Hey everybody, welcome back to Raisin Brand After Hours, the show where we talk about all things creativity and branding and marketing and how those kind of merge together with actors and other fellow creators. I'm Noah Lucy, your host, and today I'm joined by Jacob Melson, who I've known from my high school days and who is now a professional actor out in New York. Jacob, how are you doing? I'm really great, Noah. Happy to be here. Thank you. So do you just want to give people a quick overview of who is Jacob Melson? Yeah. Um, So I'm a singer, dancer, and actor, uh, originally from Dubuque, Iowa. Um, I graduated from Dubuque Senior High School in 2014 and then went on to study musical theater performance at Millican University. And after I graduated in May of 2018, I moved to New York City and I've been working uh, in and out of the New York area as uh, an actor and performer since then. That is so cool. Love New Yorker recently, last year before the pandemic hit, took my girlfriend there for the first time and she loved it. It's such a fantastic city. The best city in the world, in my opinion. (laughs) Awesome. All right. So I guess to get things started. So as we all know, whether we're behind the camera or in front of the camera, everyone has to start from somewhere. And for performers, that can oftentimes be in the line of the ensemble. You do a lot of onstage stuff. So that's kind of what that is more traditionally called um, from what I've gathered. But anyway, so it means you start in the ensemble most of the time. Um, And though these are nameless roles that never quite get the glamour that say like a Ryan Gosling character or someone who's front and center might get, they still provide a very critical role to every production because they really make up the world in which the main characters are living in. So as someone who's probably been on both sides of leading roles and supporting roles, what would be good advice to give to someone who is doing those ensemble roles and would make them the best ensemble actor they could possibly be? Yeah, um, I would say definitely just remember the old saying, there are no small roles, only small actors. Um, As someone who has been in the ensemble a majority of my performances, I I would definitely say that it takes a lot to remember that, you know, this is a a team player role. Um, Definitely, you know, you can get caught up in the politics of it and like jealousy of, you know, I wish I was um, the lead role. Uh, I definitely felt that when I was, you know, in high school and everything. But then college really taught me that, um, you know, it, it is a team effort. Um, and I, I always have the most fun in the ensemble. Um, you know, I get to play a bunch of smaller characters and have, you know, different costumes and different opportunities to show myself on stage rather than, you know, just being in one role the entire time. Uh, and I think the singing and dancing that the ensemble does is a lot more fun anyway. Um, so it's definitely where I enjoy myself the most. Um, but it, it, it does, um, It does require a lot of reminding yourself that, you know, this is a team effort. And uh, even though you're not front and center most of the time, uh, the show wouldn't really happen without you. Yeah, you can't do a kick line with just one person. Ryan Gosling (laughs) can't do a kick line all by himself. (laughs) That's awesome. That's really great advice because I feel like, yeah, I've in my own way of stuff, too. I've kind of had that same 
mentality of like, oh, this person's doing something amazing. I like, why can't I be as good as them? Or like, why can't I do that? But like you said, yeah, it's, it's just whatever you find your role to be in, in that particular thing, this is what you got to go with. And that's just what you got to make the best that you can possibly do. Yeah, exactly. That's great advice. All right. So you said earlier, you're a singer, dancer, and actor. Some would call that a triple threat. I think most people would. <laughs> so being able to do all those ama- all those things amazingly too, from what I've seen, um, out of all those broad categories though, which skill do you think is the most underrated and overrated that actors usually fall into with, the, with this uh, stuff? Um, honestly, I think, you know, you can sing and dance your face off, but if you're not selling it, if you're not acting, um, then you're not really going to be memorable. Um, my professors at Milliken always used to say that no matter where you are after graduation, like whether it's Chicago, LA, New York, um, it's already a given that everybody there can sing and dance. Um, but you have to bring something special to the character, whether you know it's a lead like we were just talking about or if it's an ensemble member, uh, what can you do to stand out and be more interesting, um, you know, as as much as you can, rather than just being um, a cookie cutter ensemble member. You have to bring yourself and your personality to every single role, and that does require, um, you know, a good deal of acting uh, skills. That's interesting. I definitely did not think. I didn't think it was going to be this whole thing of, oh, expect everyone can already sing and dance because yeah, I can't do either. <laughs> so I'm like, which I'm not an actor, but yeah. still, I well, thought, I guess you have to that's, remember that's that, interesting. Like, you know, for every Jacob Melson that comes out of college with, you know, a musical theater degree, there's a hundred more uh, tall, slim white boys that look exactly like me <laughs> and yeah, you know, you go to I go to these huge open calls and auditions and I'm like, okay, everybody looks the same as me. We can all sing, we can all dance, but like what, you know, special quality are you going to bring to make you stand out? Um and that's that's really the most important thing about, you know, large open auditions and calls where there's like 200 people in the room with you. That's interesting. I don't I don't want you to give away any of your secrets or anything, but what is something that could help you like aside from just oh acting? Like what is something that maybe like within the actual callback space or the auditioning space could help you stand out as as you most elegantly said amongst the all other slim skinny white boys <laughs> in the room? <laughs> um definitely just bring yourself to whatever you're doing. Um the I feel like the casting directors and everybody behind the table at the audition is always wanting to see you uh, rather than how you can fit into their mold. Um, and, and as long as you're always bringing yourself and what makes you special as part of your personality to every audition that you go to, that's that's really the most important thing. That's awesome. Yeah, it's again, totally (laughs) never would have thought of that. Our listeners are going to eat this up, hopefully. (laughs) All right. So you've mentioned your time at Milken University where you got your degree in the performing arts and everything of that nature. Um, But you did not only get a degree in performing arts there. You also had a side job while there as a campus tour guide 
as I remember from a lot of your Instagram posts or all your stuff, which is super funny. It was super fun to watch. Uh, Glad you got out. Glad you graduated. But (laughs) (laughs) definitely made it entertaining on social media. So as a natural performer, was there anything you did differently than most college tour guides while showing off the big blue? Um, Again, I just tried to bring myself. Um, We always kind of had not really trouble, but it was, it was easy to fall into the trap of just like reciting lines and, you know, you do three or four campus tours a week. So you start to say the same things over and over again. Um, So it's easy to fall into the rhythm of like, I'm reading a script. Um, So I really tried to make it authentic. Um, It was always better to, um, you know, put in personal anecdotes of like my time at Millikan and, um, I, I definitely tried to, you know, keep it fun and keep it entertaining. Try not to let the prospective new students and their parents get bored or anything. Um, definitely mm-hmm. one like actor thing that kind of helped me on tour gu- or tours was I would always warm up my voice before, uh, giving a campus tour <laughs> because I would be talking essentially at these people for, uh, an hour or more, um, for each campus tour. Um, and you have to, you know, keep yourself healthy. I didn't want to lose my voice or anything after like all the constant talking. Um, and so I don't know, just like the, the, the vocal training that I had from my voice lessons kind of helped me to, um, speak healthily, I guess. Um, I don't know if that's the word, (laughs) speak, speak in a healthy way. Um, but Mm -hmm. but that, that definitely helped me during my time as a campus tour guide, um, and just like having upbeat energy and making it interesting, you know, bringing my energetic personality to each campus tour that I gave. Plenty of SpongeBob quotes, I would assume. <laughs> yeah, as long <laughs> as they, you know, applied. Um... <laughs> awesome. Um, were there any sort of like cliches that when you took the job, you were like, oh, I cannot be this person? like type of thing? Um, honestly, not really. I think I've always kind of had a knack for like, um, you know, helping people and, um, you know, just acting from more of a like educational perspective. I've always loved to be like Mm. in those roles. Um, so it was really fun to like tell, you know, people about the school and why I loved the school so much. Um, my boss and my coworkers always joked that I was tour guide Ken doll, um, <laughs> and I, I think that was definitely fitting. Oh, uh, that's funny. If they ever do a musical of Barbie, I think you might've found your part Yeah, yeah. <laughs> based on that review, <laughs> get the ascots going. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. So on the topic of school and education, if someone came to you saying that they wanted to go to school for the performing arts, what are some key things in a program that they should look for that maybe aren't always so obvious? Yeah. Um, I would say that, um, you know, the school doesn't necessarily make the performer. Um, a lot of people I think kind of, uh, will look at schools that have the most people on Broadway right now or the highest success rate, um, like the Juilliards and stuff. Yeah. Like the, the big Juilliards and the Michigans and CCMs mm-hmm. and like, those are all incredible schools. They have great programs. And I have friends here that graduated from those schools and they're, they're doing very well. Um, but if you, 
go to a school that has really successful alumni and you think that's going to be like the golden ticket to get on Broadway, that's not necessarily true. Mm -hmm. Um, There are plenty of people who have come from smaller schools that, you know, don't really have as much of a success rate. Um, But those people are successful because they put in the work and um, they're driven, they're motivated. Uh, So it's, you know, a a musical theater program or any sort of performing program, uh, as much as you put into it is what you're going to get out. Um, So, you know, as long as you think the school is a good fit for you um, and that you feel like it's a place that you'll be able to learn and grow, uh, then I would say that would be the best fit for you. Nice. Yeah. The degree is just a piece of paper. It's not going to, yeah. not going to walk into audition and be like, I'm from Juilliard and they'll be like hired. Exactly. <laughs> and that, I mean, that is like very impressive to see on a resume because oh, yeah. directors know that, you know, you've graduated from this reputable degree program, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, if you don't show up and perform and are, you know, talented and driven mm-hmm. at the audition, uh, they can tell. Yeah. Or if the community college person outshines the Juilliard person, it's like, did you really put in the effort yeah. needed well, and <laughs> for this people, paying production? Plenty of people on Broadway who didn't even go to college, um, but they, oh, wow. you know, it's either like the raw talent or, um, you know, the drive and the, the hard work, um, mm-hmm. the, the, the tenacity to show up to an audition, audition and, you know, do your best and show, show what makes you special. That's cool. That's interesting. I never really thought about, I thought it was a lot of connections and stuff, but that's interesting. Yeah. All right. So after college, you got a very unique experience of doing the touring company of Legally Blonde, a show that we did together in high school, my freshman year, I believe it was your junior year or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, you get to do a show twice, two very different scales. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so what were some things that were surprisingly similar to the high school production? And what were some aspects that were that you were nowhere near prepared for? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, first of all, after we did Legally Blonde uh, at senior high school in Dubuque, um, I was kind of obsessed with it. You know, it's always been <laughs> like one of my favorite musicals since then. Um, mm-hmm. So the fact that my first uh, national tour was one of my favorite musicals was very special. Um, obviously like the music and the script is all the same. And I always joke that I already had the entire show memorized by the time we started rehearsals, just because I, you know, (laughs) I've loved it for so long. Um, so that was really cool to, to, you know, look back and, and see how, how, uh, you know, it was last time, um, in high school, you know, you do these musicals because, they're fun. It's a great like project to do. Um, you know, every high school has a musical every year and it's just like something that theater kids are a part of. Mm -hmm. Um, but like doing it as a job, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it is a job. So you have to show up and be professional. But I always say that like my time on legally blonde was like being at summer camp because I was just with, you know, my cast members who grew to be my friends and family. Uh, I was with them, you know, 24 seven for four months. Um, and it was, Mm -hmm. it was really, really cool, um, just to have like that show that was so special to me for so long, be something that I was doing professionally. Um, I would say, you know, the biggest difference was, um, the production level, 
we were, you know, on much bigger stages, um, much more intricate sets and costume changes. And, you know, school musicals are always like, I feel like they have a ton of people in them. Usually I think like our production of Legally Blonde had like 45 or 50 kids. And, you know, it's, it's, it's very different to go from that sort of, you know, high school production to a professional show that only has 20 Mm -hmm. cast members. Um, so especially as an ensemble member, you know, I have a lot more hats to wear. Um, maybe like, you know, in high school, you'd have, uh, an ensemble member who was just playing a Harvard student. Whereas in, you know, our show, I was a Harvard student, a cheerleader, uh, a jump roper, a construction worker, a cameraman, like, you know, just to name a few. Um, but holy cow, (laughs) half the ensemble or the entire ensemble is (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Everybody. (laughs) And that's just like, you know, how, how professional productions work when you have these, um, people that mm-hmm. are, are trained rather than high schoolers, um, you know, they're just able to, like I said, wear a lot more hats. Um, but at the end of the day, it just, it came down to like, this is a show that I really, really love and really enjoy being on. And it, it doesn't matter if we're, you know, doing a show in the same city for a week or doing six different one night shows in different cities, um, for a week straight, like nevertheless like wherever wherever i am like i'm i'm just having fun and i'm getting paid for it which is (laughs) really cool always a perk always a perk means those long nights a little extra worth it (laughs) exactly that's cool so did did you ever do because i've seen so many youtube videos or like facebook videos of like the cast of lion king is traveling all together and then like on a plane or on the subway they just like burst into song did you guys ever do anything like that uh we did not um (laughs) which i would prefer to keep it that way because i I really don't want to disturb draw extra attention on the plane you know this long flight or anything Mm -hmm. but there there was um our first flight when we flew to uh texas to start tech rehearsals um we all were like we had our legally blonde luggage tags and we had our um little look like backstage concert passes like uh, cards on lanyards and we had to wear those whenever <laughs> we were going around as a group or like you know entering a performance venue for the first time because you can't just walk in anywhere you had to show that you mm. were part of the company um so our first yeah. flight um you know we were all wearing those because we were really excited and after we landed in houston the flight attendant you know um she she like got on the on the loudspeaker and she said hey like thank you for flying with us today we've landed make sure to you know, check your overhead bins for your belongings, blah, blah, blah. And she said, if you happen to drop anything on the way out of the plane, just remember all you need to do to pick it up is bend and snap. And of course, like we all were screaming, <laughs> oh. laughing. We were like so, so entertained by That's that. That's awesome. She, she had said like, you know, good luck <laughs> to our, our, you know, passengers on the plane as part of the Legally Blonde tour, uh, break a leg. And so, you know, that was kind of cool to like get a little shout out from <laughs> our flight attendant. Um, which was, you know, one of the more special things at the beginning of the tour right away. That's so cool. So that I did not even realize was such like an accomplishment. Like, obviously it's an accomplishment, but I had no idea it was like your favorite musical and the shout outs and all this Mm -hmm. other thing. Like, that's just so cool. I'm so happy for like hearing all this. I'm definitely like even more happy that you were a part of that. I'm like, ah, Jacob, that's so cool. We felt like we were getting the VIP treatment on this small commercial flight. (laughs) There you go. Probably 
that's when you find out there's like Adam Sandler or someone sitting in the back who's like, congrats. Yeah, some real, real quiet. <laughs> uh, all right. So you're in New York. You've been there for a while. Pandemic mm-hmm. sort of disrupted that, but you're back. So there's a lot of things in covered in media, TV shows, movies that depict New York. One of the probably most mainstream of them in most recent years has probably been How I Met Your Mother. And they gave us so many different social rules, and some of which apply to being New Yorkers. One of them was like the whole thing of the list of things you have to do in order to be considered a New Yorker, such as like crushing a cockroach with your hand, with your bare hand, crying on a subway and not giving a damn, all those types of things. Mm-hmm. So the question is, as a New York actor, what are three things you believe everyone must go through in order to be considered a New York actor or performer? That's a, wow, that's a tough one. Um, We're getting into the weeds now. We're getting deeper. (laughs) I would definitely say um, one of the the biggest experiences as a New York actor um, that took me a while to get used to was the early mornings. Um, You'd have these open calls that, um, you know, signups start at 8 a.m., but you get to the audition studio and there's been people lined up since, six or five thirty, depending on, you know, how, how that's crazy popular they think the open audition is going to be. Um, I would say that that's definitely something that it, it takes a couple of those for you to realize like, Oh, wow. I'm like really in New York, like doing this at open cattle calls. Um, there was an open call for the hairspray tour that is supposed to be going out pretty soon. Um, and I think there were like, 700 people that showed up to that audition um it was just an open singing Holy call cow. yeah and um just like friend, 700 people all scattered about a room or like well a line or something or people started lining up at 4 a.m um so i oh got gosh. there at six with my friends and we were like 300 in line already um it was <laughs> like it lined up literally the line went around the block um, and we, we didn't even get inside the building because they, they, they came down and they said, we're not going to have time to see everybody today. Um, so that's definitely something that it takes a couple of those for you to realize like, oh, wow, I'm like literally a working auditioning actor in New York. Um, I would say the sub crying on the subway is, <laughs> honestly applies <laughs> to the situation because, you know, you can have those bad days where the callback goes terribly or you mess up in your dance audition and it's like, Oh crap, this is just like, this is a really crappy situation. And I tried my best and I just didn't get it. Um, you know, I've had plenty of those myself. What can you do? Um, Mm -hmm. but again, it's like, you know, as long as you like bring yourself to the audition and show what makes you special, that's, that's all you can do. That's the only thing you have control over. Um, whether or not the casting directors like you or think that you're a good fit for the role um that's totally out of your hands and that's not something you can control which took me a little bit to figure out too i think once you just show up to the audition and say like here's jacob and here's who i am um once you learn how to do that it definitely takes a lot of weight off of the audition Mm -hmm. um and a third one um I would say spilling a drink at an audition. Um, oh. <laughs> Does that happen a lot? It it has only happened to me once. 
Um, but I have seen it happen a lot. You'll, you'll be in this, you know, you have the audition room, which has like the four or five people behind the table, um, that are watching you audition and then, you know, the piano player, but then you have a holding room that everyone waits in beforehand. And I've, I've seen like super packed holding rooms. Um, you know, everyone's like sitting on the floor or folding chairs. And of course, all of these actors just like came from Starbucks with their morning coffee or they have like their water bottles or mm. teas. Uh, and I, I definitely think it takes at least, you know, one spillage uh, for you to be considered like a true auditioner, <laughs> uh, whether you're spilling your own drink all over your stuff, or if you accidentally like kicked someone's tea over who's sitting on the floor. Um, oh, yeah, it's, oh, it's, no. it's a little, little unfortunate and definitely a downside to these large open cattle calls. Uh, but it happens a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that's funny. That's, I never would have thought about that, but that's crazy. I'm getting such a big insight into all this stuff that I never <laughs> yeah. pursued. And I'm just like, holy cow, it would have eaten me alive. But I would honestly say you were probably born for this kind of stuff because you just go so above and beyond to embody the characters, whether it's learning to roller skate for Xanadu or shaving your head at 11 years old for Annie. <laughs> <laughs> um, so with that stuff in mind and with going through that as an actor, you're oftentimes you have to mentally get em- embody the character as well as physically embody as like I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, so what gets you in the mindset to maybe go that extra mile when tasked with a new character? Yeah. Um, there's a lot of, you know, research and um, study that goes into every sort of character. Um, even as an ensemble member, um, you have to, you know, read the script and do analysis and think about like what these characters want and they feel and like what their motivation is. Um, and then like, you know, as it, as it gets closer, it, it is helpful when you start doing rehearsals with costumes and under, under the lights and everything, because you feel like, you know, Oh, it's like finally here. I'm actually like able to do this on stage instead of, you know, wearing gym shorts and a t-shirt in the rehearsal room. Um, so that definitely <laughs> helps it helps put you in that mindset as well. Um, I have had to do like a couple things. I like, I had to have a goatee, um, for most of the second semester of my senior year. Um, I had to dye my hair black freshman year of college. Uh, like you said, when I was, you know, in elementary school, I shaved my head and, um, how to roller skate. And especially for legally blonde, you have to get really good at jump roping. So, it is a lot of work. It feels mm-hmm. like you're juggling a ton of different balls at the same time. Um, but it, it all just at the end of the day helps, you know, this performance. And like I said before, like it is, it is a job. So I don't necessarily mind like having to learn how to jump rope for my job or, you know, if I have to shave my head for a role or get a different type of haircut, it's like, you know, it's just hair, it'll grow back. Um, but exactly it's it's a it's definitely it helps embody the character as you get closer to opening night when you get all of these physical attributes lined up and you finally get the costumes and it really really puts you more into the world of the character that's cool yeah yeah i mean that's i think you probably hit the nail right on the head of that one (laughs) don't be that person that just says oh i can't do that because my hair, it's like, wear a wig, it'll grow back. Yeah. Well, and in, Can't in, be that extreme. <laughs> in college, when we would do auditions for, 
our college shows, we always had to fill out, you know, Google forms to, you know, sign up for auditions and have our information and everything. And there were always questions that said, like, are you willing to cut or dye your hair for a role? Yes or no. Uh, and I think really? just like, being open to stuff like that and being open to new experiences um, really, you know, helps you to not be closed off. Um, because if, if someone will see that on your audition form and it's like, okay, well, Jacob doesn't even want to cut his hair for this role. So like, we're not going to consider him. Um, and it's just, it's just being open uh, yeah. to, to, to things like that. Can that really are, make or break you. Yeah. Different things that might be required of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, yeah, I guess I didn't realize they also asked you those types of questions to figure out who might be best fit for that role or not. That's yeah. smart on them so that they know and they don't, doesn't come time to end of rehearsals and all of a sudden it's like, oh, you got to shave your head. And they're like, I'm not doing that. It's like, ooh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oops. Well, now we have a very unconvincing bald cap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So kind of doing some closing here. Um, on your Instagram, you do a lot of fun stuff on there, very active. And one of the things you do on your stories is would you rather questions, which I find very fun. I think I participate in most of them. Always a good time to see what other people say. So now I have some would you rather questions for you, Jacob. Great. Let's hear them. All right. Let's go. So would you rather lay in a box with mice or cockroaches? Um, I would definitely rather lay in a box with mice. Um, I actually would probably consider like getting a pet mouse or rat just because, <laughs> you know, I, I grew up, I had some Guinea pigs when I was younger. Um, and I, I don't, I don't really get bothered, mm-hmm. um, by, by rodent type animals. Um, mm-hmm. and I, w- I guess I wouldn't really get bothered by cockroaches either, but like, you know, because cockroaches don't bite or sting or anything; they're just kind of like gross and crawly. But um, I would def I would definitely rather be in a box with mice. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah, I got kind of a little bit of a New York theme or a little bit of like a musical theater theme going on. Nice. <laughs> um, so, would you? So, your friends are performing at the same time at two different locations. Would you rather go to the off-Broadway production of Giant Killer Shark, the musical, or the dive bar to support your friend's Irish folk band? Ooh. I would probably rather go support the folk band. Um, And there's two reasons for this. One is if it's their band, they probably wrote the material um, and it's, it's a little more special to them. Uh, rather than going to see someone perform in a play that's not necessarily their own work. Um, but, and then also, uh, if it's if it's an off-Broadway play, there's probably going to be other opportunities to see it. Um, unless it's like <laughs> a one-night-only thing, which that uh, that makes it a little harder. I think I'd still rather, perf- you know, go see my, my friend's band perform. Um, but, yeah, that's a, that's a hard one. Just for the original content of it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, would you rather spend your whole day on a New York subway or on a New York bus? Um, I'd probably rather spend my day on a subway um, because they're a little bit more open than buses. Buses feel sometimes like a little cramped. 
and I get motion mm-hmm. sick pretty easily in traffic sometimes. Um, and subways tend to be a lot smoother. Um, I've never gotten car sick on a subway. <laughs> there you go. Plus you got, you can do laps, walk up and down, change up the scenery, different yeah, cars. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> All right. And the final, would you rather, would you rather have your favorite slice of New York city pizza or favorite slice of happy Joe's? Ooh, I would definitely say Happy Joe's. Um, Happy Joe's. <laughs> I love Happy Joe's pizza. Um, it's definitely something that I get whenever I'm home in Dubuque. Um, and New York pizza is very good. Um, the the style though is it's different though. Yeah, it's it's like a little bit thinner crust, um, and I tend to go mm-hmm. for like a hand tossed thicker crust. That's just my preference. Um, so Happy Joe's is definitely mm-hmm. the winner. Uh, in that situation. Awesome. Well, that's all of our would you rather questions. Jacob, it's been awesome talking to you again. It's been crazy to hear the stories that you've told and all the advice. I hope our listeners get some amazing stuff out of this. Um, And now for the final remarks, I leave it to you for any final plugs, shout outs. Let us know what you got going on and what social medias that you would like people to follow. Yeah, um, I would just say, uh, if you want to know more about what I'm doing in New York, or, you know, currently in my life, uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Jake Mel underscore, J-A-K-E-M-E-L underscore. Um, But, you know, other than that, I'm just uh, living my life here in New York. There you go. And we wish the best of luck to you from Iowa and from all over. Jacob, it has been a pleasure. Thanks so much, Noah. Hey everybody, just wanted to say thank you so much for listening and be sure to subscribe to stay updated on all of our new episodes. Also, make sure you check out our YouTube channel, Retro Neon Film, to see all of our creativity on display and check out our branding and marketing podcast on the feed as well. And it's called Raisin Brain. And if you'd like to be a guest on our show in the future, just email podcast at thepixelab.co. That's podcast at thepixelab.co. Thank you again and have a great week.